Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Intelligent Transport podcast, this time supported by Ticketer. We have been gone a little while, but we are back and now back for good. I am joined on today's episode by Ticketer's CEO, Andy Montshaw. Together, we are diving into one of the most important topics in urban transport today, the integration and analysis and management of all things data. Andy, thank you very much indeed for joining me on today's Intelligent Transport podcast. To kick things off, it'd be great just to get a quick introduction from you as to who you are, what you do at Ticketer. Uh, Sure, and thanks, Luke, for having me. Uh, Andy Monshaw. I have been with Ticketer for about eight months. Prior to that, I spent 30 years at IBM, uh, which has a huge orientation around data, which is what we're going to talk about today. Spent a little time in private equity and uh, most recently spent a few years running a payroll company in London. For sure. It's quite an interesting route to end up in kind of urban transport. Um but I think plenty there to give you a good grounding, especially around some of the, the, the data issues that we're, we're seeing in the industry today as well. Yes, for sure. That's really what attracted me to coming to Ticketer. The amount of data that is in the transport sector and the utilization of that data to turn it into information and insights um, has a nice big gap that can be closed. And that made this opportunity very attractive. Let's start there with the data. You know, when when it comes to urban transport and mobility and we talk about data, there are a few different types. And I think especially from a consumer perspective, that's not always clear. So when we talk about data in transport, what do we really mean? So let's start with maybe the lenses by which you look at this. Um, so there's an operator lens, there's an authority lens. There's a passenger lens, and then I'll call it an ecosystem lens. Inside of that, there's a phenomenal amount of data that is either generated or that can be utilized across the system. So for example, um, if you take the operator lens, um, most recently, there's a desire by everyone to know where the bus is, how many tickets were sold on the bus. What's the capacity of the number of people inside the bus at any given time? But as an operator, you step back, there's also a significant amount of data that today actually moves via paper. Um, There's damage on the bus. How do I get that back to the depot uh, engineering systems and have them ensure that the parts are ordered and ready? Um, Today, a lot of that moves by paper, for example. Um, then you have the authority lens. And as we know, over the past 18 months, um, the authorities have pumped a lot of money into public transport to ensure that we can continue to service uh, all of the um, essential workers that have been in the workforce and that need to get to hospitals or need to get to high street. Um, and so, but the authorities only have a, a sliver of the information that they need to make the most effective decisions. A good example of that is the process by which it takes to change a route um, is significant. It takes a very long time. It's very manual. And that's why uh, the scheduling changes only every couple of times a year, not on demand, for example. The passenger side, passengers want to know when is the bus going to arrive? 
Is it on time? But don't they also want to know which bus is it? What's the safety record of the bus? How full is the bus? Because in today's world, um, there's both concerns about personal safety, right? Do I really want to be in a full crowded bus? Um, but there's also scheduling. Is the bus so full I won't get on and I won't be able to make the train that that bus is taking me to? So there's all kinds of information possibilities out there, but very little of it today is utilized effectively and efficiently um, inside this broader ecosystem. For sure. I think we're seeing that gradually change as you know, operators and authorities kind of come to understand the power that they kind of wield actually potentially at least you know what they have within their organizations and i think in the past a lot of that has been focused on kind of operational data um increasingly we're seeing passenger data i think anonymized aggregated passenger data and it's important to stress that as well um coming to the fore and almost i suppose being interweaved with that operational data to enable operators and authorities to make the decisions that they need to, especially given the events of the last year and the ways in which their services need to be a lot more adaptable and dynamic now. Yeah. the um, So uh, in my first couple of months, um, I've been on a path to ultimately to meet all of our operators of the first two years. And we have, you know, north of 600 operators um, in our ecosystem. And a very common theme emerges. The operators see it. They see this intersection that you're talking about. They know they want to get there, but the basics are not in place. So let's start with simple basics like data governance. Uh, many of the operators have multiple depots. Uh, there seems to be a fairly decentralized management system across most of the operators that allow the depots to operate the way they want to operate. Um, and so data governance across them is um, not at the maturity level you would want to be able to start doing mass aggregation and analytics against it. So you have simple things like that. The next skills, the skills are not out there. I mean, our, uh, our transport system today, especially over the last 18 months, is just scraping to get by. And, um, and frankly, they're doing a great job. It's pretty amazing uh, the way that the folks have been able to keep the transport system working and doing it in a way that has, um, I think, and again, this is Andy's opinion, has gained public trust because you don't see any of the operators gaming the system. You see them really trying to be efficient and effective in the way that they're operating based on the tools that they have. So having a data analyst or having data scientists, that's a luxury that no one really can afford today. Um, and then you see that they know the questions they want to answer in order to make themselves more efficient and effective. I mean, we have a backlog of hundreds of questions that operators have asked us to program into our um, portal and into our back office. And, you know, we chop through them, but there's a lot. There's a lot. And many of these um, ultimately should be able to be 
looked at and solved by uh, the operators themselves. There is a growing niche, kind of a cottage industry of companies, very small companies that are trying to attack very specific issues. And this is super important. These issues require a tremendous amount of manual work to get all of the information and data into their uh, engines so that they can produce the results. You know, um, for buses that are on fixed lines, what, how much bunching is occurring and how could you take cost out of that system? For operators that have complex routes, how much dwell time is there and how could I take time out of that system? Um, and the list goes on and on. How do I do more effective route planning? Where are people getting on and getting off? And therefore, what is a more effective route? And could I take a bus out of the system and still um, equal or better my service to uh, the passengers? These are problems that can be super important to an operator's bottom line, but they're expensive to set up one by one by one. What the strategy that we're on is actually fairly straightforward. Um, the ticketer back office has a phenomenal amount of this information already. We know everything from where tickets are bought, where the bus is, what kind of bus it is, who the driver is, etc. With this information, you have two choices. You can have it exported out to a data scientist, to an analyst, to a third party in the ecosystem that's doing something, or you can create an API layer where the time to value for all of this analysis is really fast, and you can create a self-service portal, even with natural language capabilities, so that both the most sophisticated operators, all the way down to those who, you know, maybe um, presentation layer moving it around, doing pivot tables isn't their strength, uh, can do it. You know, the the um, applications are out there today where you should be able to ask the question in natural language and get the answer back. We're heading in this direction and, you know, we validated it. I've personally validated it with, you know, dozens and dozens of discussions with operators and authorities, frankly. Of course. I think that's absolutely fascinating. And I mean, to have had those conversations and, you know, you, you more than probably most people kind of see the need for this, right? Um, I think we talk so much in the industry about removing the barriers to entry for passengers to use public transport and at the moment get back onto public transport as well, but less so about removing the barriers to entry for more efficient, streamlined operations. And I think this conversation is going to help do that. So let me give you a really practical, really current example. We announced our partnership with VIA. VIA is a demand response transportation company. And the uptake in the UK has been slower than what they expected. Why? Because A, the, um, the economics for demand response transportation really have a scale break-even point. You've got to get enough people onto the network and then it begins to be um, economic for everyone involved. But more importantly than that is the service needs to be better coordinated with fixed line service. 
or with the service that the operators naturally provide. In order to do that, it was really complex. The, the operators actually had to buy separate hardware because in order to recognize the schemas and the passenger manifests of VIA required a whole nother set of kit on the bus became too expensive. What we announced was actually very straightforward. You have the operator and their routes and VIA takes everything else. VIA can pick the passengers up and create the most efficient route for the passenger. It can alert now the operator or the bus driver, give them who's coming on, what the manifest is, accept the same QR codes, and ensure that the bus knows that a van full of people are coming from a factory. And they're coming to the route and they're stuck in traffic. They're going to be five minutes late. Hold the bus for five minutes as opposed to having to wait another hour. This type of experience for the passenger will create a lot more demand for the system. And for the operators, it'll be way more efficient because they'll get the best capacity on the buses. So more riders per bus, the economics get better. So this is that example is the integration of everything we just talked about. It's the integration of passenger lens. It's the integration of the operator lens, and it makes the whole system more efficient. We're super excited about this. And frankly, this is the first of many that we plan to do by creating a system where the data that sits with the operator can both ingest more from the ecosystem, but also can utilize, uh, the ecosystem can utilize the data that the operator has, where the bus is, when it's, what the timetable is for the bus, what the schedule is, what the location is. Yeah, absolutely. And it's pretty, pretty incredible. I think one of the, one of the key points here, and you, you referenced it, is the economics of running bus services now. Even, even 18 months ago, the kind of profit margins for operators were, were pretty thin. And given the pandemic, they're only getting thinner. And hopefully that's a trend that we'll see kind of reverse. But 100%, they need the data and the information at their fingertips to be able to make the right decisions when it comes to do I run this service? Do I make it demand responsive? Should it be something else entirely? Do we just pull it? Those decisions cannot be made lightly if operators and authorities are going to continue to serve their riders and their traditional riders in in the same way that they've come to expect. Um, not to mention the way that those riders' habits and routines are going to change as well. Yeah, I mean, the data is pretty startling. Um, if you look at, if you compare to normal, uh, sort of normal bus operations, normal ridership operations pre-pandemic, during the height of the pandemic and the lockdowns, uh, the number of buses being run only went down about 10%. The number of passengers went down 80%. So we hit a, uh, we hit a peak, or I should say a valley, of about 20% pre-pandemic um, ridership. Right now, it's back up between 60 and 70%, depending on the operator, the location, et cetera. It's anybody's guess as to whether it goes back up to 80%, 90%, 100% or more. Um, you know, sort of a sidebar, but an interesting one, as you talk to the various operators and authorities, there's a redefinition of what high street's gonna look like. Um, the smoothing out 
of the number of workers that will actually go to the office is changing. Um, and so the ability for us to both report on, but more importantly, predict with accuracy and not just take last week, divide by seven and roll it forward. It's really looking at what are all of the other factors that play into um, the ridership, uh, or I guess we should call it patronage, um, numbers is going to be critical. Because if you can take one route out of the system, if you can take one bus out of the system, that's a lot of money. That is a lot of money for an operator. And um, our operators are all thinking about it and asking these questions. And we have, and they have the information required and they have the data required to answer the questions. They don't have the analytics yet and they don't ultimately have the answers. But we're going to get there. Um, I can see a clear path to get there. That's good. And I think that the industry needs that. You know, I think it it, it has sorely needed um, this kind of offering, I think. And someone, I suppose, to really take the ball by the horns and uh, make this progress. Because before the pandemic, there was a need for it. Now there's more of a need for it than ever. Um, so the fact that this is happening and there's real life examples already, I think is is fantastic and really lays a, a really solid foundation as well. Um, so when it comes to the data that you know operators are using and what they're looking at and what can be shared between organizations to help make this whole ecosystem that much more, I suppose, useful for, for the entire industry. One of the things that I wanted to cover off was the openness and the transparency when it comes to doing that. And, you know, the role of openness and transparency in, in data sharing as well, I suppose. It's crucial for operators and authorities now to share information, whether that's open data, aggregated data, or, or otherwise. You know, how, how important do you think that's going to be in in the recovery from from the pandemic and in making sure that you know not only that operators and authorities are still able to deliver services in, in in the right way for their their passengers but use that data in a way that doesn't betray any trust so it's a that's a really good question um the trend towards open data in our industry and we call it it's called bods bus open data um is accelerating and I think this is a great thing. Uh, the more that is out there, the more innovation that will happen around it. Now, um, definitional requirements need to be clean. They need to be uh, deployed. There's, you know, always side debates on, on exactly how to interpret things. Um, there is a little bit of hesitancy in the industry around capacity. Uh, I think, I think, um, people will ultimately get over that because you can you can deliver capacity into the industry and to um, all sides, to the authorities as operators and for the passengers in a way that ensures the user of it has a meaningful slice or a meaningful view and doesn't create some form of competitive disadvantage, for example. So, you know, we call it t-shirt sizing. You know, is the bus empty, medium, or full? Those are important. But really important is things like 
is there wheelchair access available on this bus or not? So that's super specific. It's a data point that we know and can be delivered out into the industry. And it should be open because you want folks to really understand and want to have confidence that they can use this form of public transportation to fit their needs. So, um, you know, it's uh, schedules, fares, locations, capacity, and the list will grow. And I think this is a really good thing. And I think as um, many other industries have proved, the more information is out there, the more innovation will, will be created around that data. And from that innovation, it'll just get better and uh, better experience for the operators, more and better decision-making ability by the authorities. And, um, and of course, the passengers will have what they need to have confidence to use, you know, bus as a transportation mode. You mentioned BODs, and I think the progress that we've seen made since the bus open data service came came into effect the progress has been remarkable really and you know i i received the updates via email as i'm sure you and probably most of our listeners do as well but you know that it obviously reached a point where some of that data for it to be open almost had to be legislated and what do you think the industry can do to be encouraged i suppose to break down some of those remaining silos on its own and maybe use some of that data that isn't available through bots to, you know, make further progress on this. So um, the, the simple answer, and, and again, if it were this simple, then, you know, it all would have happened already. Mm-hmm. But the simple answer in my perspective is that they need to see value from doing it. And today, the value is slowly being accrued. Um, I think the authorities are getting a lot of value out of this information as well. And to be fair, the authorities have pumped a ton of money into this system um, over the last 18 months. So I think there does need to be a balance of, of exchange. The, to me, the reason that it's been... Um, probably slower than one would have expected. First of all, not everybody has the technology. And so technology deployment needed to be there. And I think the authorities have been really smart about helping the operators deploy the technology required to be able to deliver the information. So that sort of give to get has been working very nicely. Um, And then the operators really need to see value from it. So they need to see that because they've delivered this information out, it finds its way into third-party applications that drive more ridership to their uh, transport. Um, that connecting of the dots, we're still early. You know, we're still early in this. Um, I think, I mean, just on that, uh, the authorities have made a lot of really interesting moves which I think ultimately the operators are going to see phenomenal value. So most recently, they're funding the uh, transformation to contactless, to EMV. Okay, so this is great. And, um, and it will encourage operators that today don't have it to move to it. But what I think operators will find is by having contactless, fraud will go down. 
And, you know, we'll create very simple ways to analyze this. If you know the capacity and you know that everyone is contactless, then you absolutely can reconcile uh, your revenue every day. Something that most operators can't do today. Fraud is a fraud is still pretty rampant in our industry. Um, but it's connecting those kinds of dots. The operators will see the value. They'll understand the power of this data. Um, another example, tap off. Uh, is now gaining traction and some authorities are actually funding tap off because what most operators don't know today is the actual journey that passengers take. They know where they get on and unless it's, uh, and they may know where they get off based on fare class, but they don't necessarily know exactly where they get off. But if you tap on and you tap off, you know the exact journey. Why does that matter? Well, Operators can then plan way more efficient routes because they'll know the patterns, not just for a day, for example, they'll know it by the minute, by the stop. Um, you can take a lot of cost out of the system if you know that. But conversely, and, and uh, to your point very early on about anonymized data, conversely, you can do co-marketing. We have one or two operators of our 600 plus who are very advanced in this space. The, one of our operators has actually been doing tap off for quite a while and they do co-marketing and they do targeted and are able to generate new revenue streams for the large swath of um, our clients. This is a huge opportunity to improve their economics again. And it's completely untapped, but it takes all of this data. It takes people and programs that know how to utilize the data and it requires, I think, um, a prioritization of making sure that they execute on uh, delivering these kinds of revenue streams. So the world of opportunity here is huge. To answer your question very specifically, they have to see the value. And I think they will. More and more, the dots are starting to connect. Yeah, for sure. I think, like you say, 100% you do see that. The, the value proposition is is growing. It's only moving really in one direction. Um, those that don't jump on board fairly soon are at pretty significant risk of being left behind by their competitors. Um, oh, like, for sure. Like we said earlier, you know the the margins are so thin anyway. You you have to attempt to do everything you can to to stay up to date. Yep, but you know, uh, like the retail business where margins are really thin, if you deliver a really high value service, you can drive high margins. And once you start driving high margins, you now have the money to reinvest to continue that trend. So I think our job in the, in the proposition here is to make it as easy as possible for clients to capitalize on all of this, provide as many tools as possible, provide as many connections with the ecosystem as possible, and continue to innovate with um, with the areas that our operators uh, require, whether it's a passenger facing app or whether it's DRT or whether it's you know a very niche um, application that that solves a very, very niche problem, we need to make it as easy as possible for our operators to deploy those. We need to time to value to be as short as possible, and we need the cost to be as low as possible. And I think if we can deliver that, we can see real innovation across the industry in a 
pretty rapid uh, time. One of the questions I wanted to ask you, and I think you pretty much answered it there, is whether the industry is ready to take the steps and be less protective over their data and be less protective over what they see as their passengers. But as the industry kind of breaks down these silos and becomes much better integrated, you know, it's, I I think that ownership gradually begins to fade and it's almost a greater good type of scenario. Where there are multiple operators competing for the same passengers, those who innovate faster will drive a better experience at a lower cost and thereby, you know, the macroeconomic forces will take hold and people will move to that operator. Um, I mean, that would, that's nothing different than any other industry. Uh, and I think the cool part here is, yes, the industry is ready for it, for sure. And it's, it's not a far reach. It, it's not miles away. It's really close. Um, the tools are there. The data is there. Um, we're doing the things that we need to do to um, enhance our capabilities to deliver. And I think together, um, you know, we have a saying inside uh, uh, Ticketer, which I kind of like, uh, which is, you know, we're in the business of helping the operators operate. It's simple. It's a simple thought. And the operators should be able to rely on us to do what we can to create the environment where they can leverage all this but also think through all the natural partnerships that will make their business better and, and enable those partnerships in a very efficient way. I think the future is very, very bright. And like you say, I'll be fascinated to see what kind of comes next in this journey and, and for you at Ticketer. Um, so uh, while, while we're on that, in relation to these themes, you've obviously announced your partnership with Veer very recently. What comes next for you guys? Yeah, so short term, the biggest steps is to continue around these partnerships, enhance our uh, entirety of our data to information and analysis um, capabilities. And then something we didn't talk about, but is equally as important is we have another business in the Nordics, very similar business. Um, We are finding the leverage between those businesses. So for example, um, in the Nordics, uh, standards are normal. So think home theater for operators, right? Um, right now, if you want a certain device, you pick best of breed. And then if you want another device, you pick best of breed. And all of a sudden back office is either not connected, which means the data is not connected or the integration is quite complex. Well, uh, there's a standard IT for PT, which we believe is a good standard And why can't you, I want to put an automated, I want to do automated passenger counting. All right. So need a camera. It has to have 99% accuracy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But why can't it just be plug and play? And then that data is automatically integrated into the back office. Um, I'm going to put cameras around the buses. Okay. Uh, Outside the buses. Um, Why can't that data be automatically integrated? I'm going to have an electric fleet. Well, that has a whole set of different things that you need to monitor, right? The number of passengers on a bus is going to drive the usage of the battery. Today, traditionally, you fill the tank up in the morning and it doesn't run out of gas during the day. It comes back to the depot, you fill it up again. Well, current 
you know, current deal in battery life, some of these buses will have to recharge at some point. And whether they climb hills or not, whether they have too many people or not, this all will dictate battery usage. This is a whole nother set of things that does the operator really want to have it over here separate or do they want it integrated into the back office? All of this requires um, a real drive on standards. And so we think standards is going to be a very important uh, piece of the equation. And then I think I'd be uh, really uh, remiss if I didn't say, I mean, of course, account-based ticketing is going to be big. Mobility as a service is, is certainly coming. Um, will it integrate scooters? Will it integrate like V on one end and scooters on the, who knows? But we have to be ready for this. But again, having a set of standards, allowing that all to integrate into one um, back office, we think will enable the operators to continue to find more and more and more efficiencies and become better operators. And that's our role. So near future, that's where we see it going. Uh, longer term, check back. We have a lot of really exciting projects. We um, just finished something we call TG25, which is Ticketer Group 25. Um, and it really captures the big themes that we see happening. Uh, we've been very fortunate to be invited in by one of our largest operators as putting on the operator's hat as a trusted, valued partner to sit through their strategy. And we're aligned with that. Uh, and I think... Um, I think this whole industry is going to see massive change over the next three to five years, change for the good. And I believe Ticketer is very well positioned to um, accelerate that change as a partner to the operators. I would tend to agree. And I think you can see that, you know, the work that, that's being done now is really laying that foundation for what comes next um, to, to build upon, take those next steps and, encourage operators and and authorities to stay on that journey i think and it's it's going to be certainly in five years time the conversation will have advanced so far this will look like ancient history as the last three to five years in the past already do agreed yeah if you look in the last three to five years the real change was cash to uh tokens whether that token's a, a emv card or a qr code or an ITSO card or whatever, but that transition has happened. I think the latest view is uh, cash usage on our buses is less than 20% now. Um, still not zero, but less than 20%. Um, it's down about 20, 30% since the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, and, but that that is an interesting transition, but capitalization on all the information didn't really happen in the last five years. It will happen in the next five years. Um, and so we're, we're, I believe, well positioned to do that. And I, I would also be remiss by saying our operators want us to get there and they are hugely supportive of helping us get there. Uh, whenever we announce something or whenever we head in a certain direction, a number of operators raise their hand and say, Hey, we want to do this with you. We're happy to be the pilots. I'm really super lucky. I came into a business that was built by a team that did an amazing job. And, and that team um, really has credibility with the operators and a, and a passion by the operators to want to work with us. And so as a CEO, 
you can't ask for a better landing point. And now we're just trying to build off of that set of relationships and help them do even better. And the pandemic has just accelerated all of that. For sure. For sure. Well, it has been a pleasure to speak with you this afternoon. Um, thank you so much for taking the time out. I think I've thoroughly enjoyed speaking to you. I think our listeners will enjoy listening as well. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I'm sure this won't be the last time that we speak. We will definitely catch up and uh, see what happens next. So thank you very much. Well, thank you very much, Luke, for having me. And I really appreciate and enjoyed the conversation. My thanks again to Andy for joining me on this episode of the Intelligent Transport podcast. It was a real pleasure to speak with him and catch up, find out what Ticketer have been up to over his first eight months as CEO. If you want to find out more about Andy and about our sponsor Ticketer, then you could do that at ticketer.com. For now, though, that is a wrap from us. Don't forget to check out intelligenttransport.com for all the latest news and views in urban transport. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts, and I'm sure I will catch you on the next one.